Something extraordinary has happened to Judy Sizemore's closet, making it feel more like a closet. 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 An area that once caused claustrophobia now has enough space, space. space to hold all of Judy's striped boat neck sweaters. And Judy Sizemore has a lot of striped right, right. boat neck sweaters. sweaters. The Container Store Custom Closet Sale is here with up to 25% off all systems, including Alpha, through October 13th. The Container Store, where space comes from. And now for an inside look at college sports with the men in the know, J.C. and Morgan. Here's Mike Morgan and J.C. Sherbert. Yes, yes, yes. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. No matter what time you are listening to us, no matter where you are listening to us, no matter what you're doing while you're listening to us, it is another award-winning installment of the J.C. and Morgan podcast. He is J.C. Sherbert. You know him, you love him nationwide on 24-7 Sports. I am Mike Morgan of ESPN and the SEC Network. And together, we merge forces each and every week and talk a lot of college football for about an hour to an hour and a half. And that's what we're going to do today. And, J.C., we got a whole lot to talk about. We are in the mecca of college football in Atlanta. And as we got into this past week, the biggest game of last week involved kind of the bell cow program of the peach state, the Georgia Bulldogs and the Florida Gators in Jacksonville at the cocktail party. We'll talk Florida state Clemson. Uh, we'll talk about Texas dropping a big game for their uh, season. Now looking forward to uh, the big 12's opportunities <clears throat> in a college football playoff. Speaking of the college football playoff, we finally have rankings. We'll chew on that. We'll dissect that. And then we'll look ahead to another week of games uh, highlighted by there's three or four really good ones, actually, uh, that will further get us closer and closer to a resolution on who is actually a pretender and a contender for the college football playoff coming up. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Um, very interesting weekend last weekend, um, especially in terms of the conference races. Um, some of the I don't want to say Johnny come lately, but the teams that were like, oh, you know, Texas is back. Well, they're not back enough to win in Stillwater. <laughs> uh, Stanford losing to Washington State to me was a big surprise. And how about the Washington Huskies? And I know we're going to talk about the Pac-12 later, 12-10. to 10. Uh, A&M laid an egg on the road against Mississippi State. Penn State continues to survive by the skin of its teeth. Uh, Arizona whipped Oregon, another Pac-12 kind of deal. And, you know, th then there's some teams around that um, I think continue to have surprisingly good years, uh, like Kentucky winning an improbable game at Missouri. But I, I blame that on Missouri because if you're Missouri and you only score 14 points in a game, chances are you're going to lose, and by golly, they did. Um, you know, just an interesting weekend all the way around. Uh, and I think – Although it's not a huge surprise who the top two are in the playoff poll, um, you know, I, I think that having that released and, and getting a, being able to go ahead and go off that set of rankings and, and get, an, uh, I guess, an, an idea as to what the committee's thinking, um, again, no big surprise, uh, is positive as we move forward. My favorite uh, stat <clears throat> of the – of the playoff, because we, we always are so obsessed with conference talk in college football. 
unlike perhaps any other sport, we, we just obsess over conference affiliation, conference strength, which conference is getting screwed, which conference is overrated, which conference is underrated, which conference has a conspiracy uh, with the playoff committee, which conference has a conspiracy with TV networks, who do the TV networks hate? It's just, it never ends. Uh, college football fans are obsessed with conference talk. So here it is. For those of you that, the Danny, this is the anti-Danny Cannell stat. Dan, Danny's going to going to freak out over this I'm sure if he hasn't already he's going to uh, he's going to mess his cornflakes up over this one but of the top 12 teams in the college football playoff rankings <clears throat> 5 of them are from the southeastern conference 5 of the 12 the big 10 has 2 ACC 1 big 12 1 pac 12 1 independent Notre Dame 1 AAC UCF 1 so <laughs> of the top 12, nearly half are from one conference, the SEC. Over half are from two conferences, SEC and Big Ten. And then everybody else is clinging to that one team for any chance of getting into the playoff. Um, you know, we, Again, we can debate whether or not that's good or bad for college football. It doesn't really matter. It is what it is. And, and what it is, it's, it's the usual suspects. And the Pac-12 is now clinging all their their hopes on Washington State to be the team that breaks through uh, and, and somehow gets them to the table. I honestly don't see that happening still. I, I think mass chaos has to happen for even a one-loss Washington State to get in. But we can talk about that later. Uh, the, the Notre Dame factor is the wild card here. It's not UCF, which under no circumstance is going to make it. I'm sorry. They're just not. Um, and you know, you've got, you've got, to me, you've got four conferences, uh, two of whom have a couple of teams that are in this thing. The rest are pinning their hopes on one. And, uh, and then you've got a couple of leagues that are, are just kind of sweating bullets, especially with Notre Dame <clears throat> that they could be on the outside looking in. Uh, there's, there's not a whole lot of surprises in that poll, JC. I'll just say this. When you look at it, this is a reminder. I know, I know the, the cliche every year is, oh, there's so much parity in college football and, and anybody can win it. And uh, I look at it and I just see the haves and the have-nots, as, as I've stated many times. And the other thing is, when you take a look, okay, so here's 1 through 12. Bama, Clemson, LSU, Notre Dame, Michigan, Georgia, Oklahoma, Wazoo, Kentucky, Ohio State, Florida, and then UCF, which they really don't know what to do with, but they put it 12. And whether that's too high or too low, it doesn't matter because they're not getting in anyway. Okay? So let's turn the page on that. Then you've got West Virginia, Penn State. That's the top 14. Uh, here's 15 through 25. Hmm. Now, there was a time if you were nationally ranked in 15 through 25 – Man, you had to be a pretty doggone good football team, right? You might not have been playing for a national championship, but you, maybe you weren't that far off either. Utah, Iowa, Texas, a Mississippi State team who in their three losses could barely move the football. Syracuse, a cute story, but it's Syracuse playing in an awful ACC. Texas A&M, 5-3, again, not that good of a football team. NC State completely got exposed. 
and then got exposed again this past week. So they're five and they've lost two in a row. They haven't looked good in either one of them. They're 21st. Boston College, 22. Fresno State, Trent Dilfer's not walking through that door, 23. The Cyclones of Iowa State, you and I are big Matt Campbell fans. And by the way, he could be the next coach of the Cleveland Browns, just saying. They're 4-3. and three. And Virginia, the fighting Bronco Mendenhalls. Virginia is now a top 25 team. What that tells me is there are not very many good teams in college football, with all due respect. These are teams that aren't that good, that are beating other teams that are worse, have respectable records. And look, it's a top 25 poll, so you got to have 25 teams. But th- those are not very good teams. Most of those teams I just mentioned, 15 through 25, are not real good. So we've got a like, I mean, Alabama, awesome. Clemson, very good. LSU, a chance to prove just how good, but very good. Notre Dame, very good. Michigan, very good. Georgia, Oklahoma, and then it's like, I mean, Kentucky is ninth. Kentucky, they, they boy, if you're Barry Odom in Missouri, you found a way. You found a way to gift wrap that game. Uh, and I look, I, lo- I love the Kentucky story. I think it's going to be an intriguing game against Georgia. But they're a team that can barely throw the football. They're ranked in the top ten right now. So college football is, what do you call it? The uh, the cabal. The cabal. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's. It is so top-heavy right now. It is so top-heavy. And then you could say parody. You can use whatever term you want. I see a lot of mediocrity in that 15 to 25 range. That's, that's my thoughts on the initial poll. Well, and I think uh, the cabal is a, a two-team cabal right now. Um, yeah, LSU, Notre Dame, they played in the Citrus Bowl last year. And heading into the season, I don't know that we all sat there. And, I mean, everybody was talking about Orgeron was going to get fired. And Notre Dame, you, you never know what's going to happen with Brian Kelly. Will he go to the pros? Whatever. They had to bench Brandon Wimbush, um, which, by the way, I knew Navy would cover that spread. Notre Dame won by 22, but uh, Navy was getting 24. You can't cover the spread against the midshipmen. You just can't. Um. <laughs> Anyway, I uh, Notre Dame, I mean, look, they're undefeated. They go undefeated. They're getting in. There's no question about it. When we talk about the rest, I think there is a tier two behind Alabama and Clemson. Uh, I think if we're talking about, you know, this year, these years, I mean, I think Clemson is a distant second, if that makes any sense. And then Notre Dame is a, an LSU or a distant third. I mean, I I think LSU is getting way too much credit for beating Georgia like they did, beating – I know they were all big wins. At the time, Miami was good. Well, Miami's gone on to lose to Boston College and Virginia on the road. Uh, At the time, Auburn was good. Well, Auburn kind of became a dumpster fire, and a week ago they were talking about firing their coach. Uh, Mississippi State, as you mentioned, cannot throw a forward pass. Uh, Big road test at Florida, and they laid an egg. And I'm not convinced the Gators are all that good. Um, I just, uh, I think that them being ranked over Notre Dame right now doesn't sit too well with me, but we got a big game in Baton Rouge this weekend and, ah, what's the harm? What's the harm of putting them third? You know, it's going to, it's all going to work itself out anyway. And I, I know body of work, quality wins, all that good stuff factors into it. 
But I think there's a tier one and, and, and one tier one, – one team is in tier one, Alabama. Now, as I've mentioned earlier, I've seen great teams over the years get to that final game and lose. 2002 Miami comes to mind. 1987 Miami comes to mind. Of course, those two games were in the Fiesta Bowl and, and involved the hurricane, so I, I don't know what that says. I think the Southern Cal team that lost to Texas that year, though Texas – was clearly the second-best team in the country. I don't think anybody would have argued going in that Southern Cal was the favorite in 2005. So I'm not saying Clemson will lose to Alabama in a championship game scenario. In fact, I, I think it's with the way Clemson plays defense and the way they're rolling right now, it can be very, very interesting. But body of work-wise, you know, I just – I've seen Clemson beat Alabama-esque the last few weeks against some ACC teams that – like, I have no idea why, why these ACC – like, I have – I can see Syracuse because you look at the eyeball test. They did give Clemson a game in Death Valley. They did beat NC – but NC State and Boston College being ranked is a joke. You know, Virginia's a nice story, but I don't know that they've had a whole lot of quality wins. I, I think that's – I would throw some 500 SEC teams at the bottom before I would, I would do that. I mean, Michigan State – should be in here somewhere mm-hmm. over some of these teams. But um, so I think there's a tier two. And then in, in tier three, I think we have LSU, which will be out of tier three here shortly, Notre Dame, Michigan, Georgia, Oklahoma, and then throw Ohio State. I'm skipping over Washington State and Kentucky because I just don't know. I, I don't know why the Buckeyes are 10th behind these teams. Yes, they lost 49-20 to on the road to Purdue that turned around and lost to Michigan State the next week. Um, but, I, I, you know, Washington State lost by three at Southern Cal. Uh, if, you, if you calculate the, the, the wins for the Buckeyes, I just don't know that they belong below Kentucky and Washington State. Maybe that's just me. But I would put them in Tier 3. After that, Let's get a dartboard and just start, you know, have a, have a few Paps Blue Ribbons and just start throwing darts at the wall. I mean, because th- there's no difference. Like, there's no difference to me between Florida and Texas or even Florida and Texas A&M. You forget Texas A&M did lose to Mississippi State on the road. But their other two losses were to Bama and Clemson, the top two teams in the country. So, so their 20th. Behind Syracuse, and I just, you know, to me, I mean, Mississippi State, should they be five? I don't know, you know I mean? So, so yeah, shake them all up. Let's draw names out of a hat if you, if you don't want to throw the darts because it's, it's all the same. Um, and then the conferences you mentioned, I think there's one dominant conference this year. I think the Big Ten is a solid second. I think the other three, you've got the ACC that's, not just top-heavy, Mike. There's one great team and 13 mediocre teams. By the end of the day, there's no second-best team in the ACC. We thought maybe Virginia Tech. Well, they got slaughtered by Georgia Tech this past weekend, which is embarrassing to them. You know, Florida <coughs> – excuse me. Florida State certainly isn't uh, very good. Uh, <laughs> Duke That's is, an understatement. Duke is not. I mean, and these teams at the bottom, NC State – 
Five and zero start. That's great. I mean, what are they basing NC State being twenty first on? Where there's no quality wins. I have no idea. The Nothing. Two, the two good teams they played, they've gotten beaten. They could have had a yeah. third loss had they not had a game. You know, to me, Boston College. You know, maybe you sneak them in, but I just uh, I think I think the rest of the ACC besides Clemson sucks. And I, but I think Clemson's talented enough to where that's not going to affect them once they get to the playoff. I think the Big 12 and Pac-12, their problem is is outside of Oklahoma in the Big 12, which, which I think now the Sooners are back in the driver's seat because it's going to be hard for Texas to beat them twice. And I'm not so sure Texas or West – I'm not sure Texas won't take another loss. I'm not so sure it's going to be Oklahoma-Texas in the championship game. Um, I think they're kind of back and rolling. So you got Oklahoma, but then the problem with the other teams is they beat each other up. And, mm-hmm. and, 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 and that doesn't mean – oh, it's this great conference, that means it's a deeper conference than the ACC. You know, you give me two through ten in the Big 12 against two through ten in the ACC, I'm saying the Big 12's going seven and one. And and I think to a lesser extent in the Pac-12, the Pac-12's problem is there is no Oklahoma. They're they're hanging it on Washington State. They were counting on Washington and SC being good, and both those teams are – having problems. I mean, Washington's one of the most disappointing teams in the country this year. And uh, the Pac-12, while I do think top to bottom, it is a better league than the ACC this year, there's no top. And uh, so so those three leagues have issues. And and what's good about this, Mike, in terms of if you don't like controversy and chaos, which we all love controversy and chaos, it's college football. I think the positive part of this is it's a good year for Notre Dame to be undefeated. Because there, there's, there's no way they're going to knock a conference champion out that is more deserving than they are, you know, depending on who the one loss comes to, maybe even with one loss. But I, I tend to think that, you know, they probably do need to just make sure they go undefeated. But, but it's a good year because, you know, you're not going to credibly say, well, Washington State deserves to be in over an undefeated Notre Dame because they want a conference championship, things like that. Now, I hope Washington State makes it. Don't get me wrong. But I, I just think because of the, the issues in, in the, the, the ACC, Big 12, and Pac-12, um, we're not going to have to worry about that. Jess, it's happening. Whoa, Tina, what are you doing in my car? Space is here now. No closet will be left behind. Did you say closet? Yes, the Container Store custom closets are up to 25% off. It doesn't matter the size or shape. Space is coming to them all. You're not serious. Space isn't a joke, Jess. How long do we have? Through October 13th. All right, buckle up. The Container Store custom closet sale is here with up to 25% off all systems, including Alpha. The Container Store, where space comes from. Something extraordinary has happened to Judy Sizemore's closet, making it feel more like a closet. 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 An area that once caused claustrophobia now has enough space Space. Space. to hold all of Judy's striped boat neck sweaters. And Judy Sizemore has a lot of striped Striped. boat neck sweaters. Sweaters. The Container Store custom closet sale is here with up to 25% off all systems, including Alpha, through October 13th. The Container Store, where space comes from. I think I think the people that run college football, um, well, I shouldn't say that because the people that run college football are, are conference commissioners, and and they're all about the bottom line, which is money. Um, I think the people that cover college football 
would love to see a Washington stake it in there. Number one, Mike Leach is TV gold. Number two, it'd be something to freshen this thing up. Because quite honestly, uh, you know, for people like you and me and for a lot of people that are listening to this podcast each and every week, college football is king. And so you're going to you're going to listen every week anyway. You're going to watch every week anyway. And it's going to be I get J.C. choked up whenever I talk about the pageantry and the passion of college football. You can understand that. Um, <laughs> but but. But for a lot of folks outside of the hardcore, diehard, college football is king fan, this gets a little stale. <laughs> it's just we're talking about the same few teams each and every week, and then we're talking about can anybody beat Alabama, and it's Groundhog Day. I mean, we you, you could have done this three years ago. You could have done this two years ago. You could have done it last year. And let's face it, you're probably going to be able to do it next year, too. Because if you start forecasting who the top teams in college football are next year, we're not going to be talking about much that's dramatically different, I can assure you of that. Uh, So that's where some fresh blood would be welcome. Notre Dame doesn't cover that. I know Notre Dame, for a lot of people, a lot of people view Notre Dame like they view the Yankees. You either love them or you hate them, and therefore they're relevant, and therefore they're good. i got to be honest with you, for me, I don't love Notre Dame, and I don't hate Notre Dame. I'm just kind of like, eh. I hate the fact that they're not in the conference. I hate the fact that we uh, almost have to do make special rules and concessions for Notre Dame. That part irks me, but I've gotten over it. It's not going to change. There's too much money for them to remain as an independent with a separate television contract with NBC. Uh, but God help you, Notre Dame, no pun intended. If you lose a game, you are out. Somebody posed the hypothetical to me yesterday well, what if it comes down to a one-loss Michigan and a one-loss Notre Dame and Notre Dame beat Michigan head-to-head? And my answer to that was Michigan for two reasons. Actually, for maybe more than that. Uh, but number one, Michigan will have an extra data point because they will have won a Big Ten championship game, and that matters and that counts. Notre Dame will be sitting at home doing nothing on championship Saturday. Uh, Notre Dame's schedule, which at the beginning of the year looked more than credible, but as you start breaking down those teams, and this happens to Notre Dame, it seems like every other year, teams that looked great on the schedule when they signed those contracts four or five years ago, for whatever reason, seem to have down years when they play Notre Dame, and that hurts Notre Dame's overall credibility in terms of you're not in a conference, you're not playing in a conference championship game, and that schedule that has big-name opponents in different leagues, well, those big-name opponents are all having a down year, like a Florida State, like a Southern Cal, etc., and so therefore it's not nearly as big or nearly as good. And and I do think there is going to be a little anti-sentiment somewhere in that room that says, hey, look, Notre Dame, either get with the program or not. And keep in mind, this is not like the other, however many, 67 college sports, Division I, okay? It's not basketball, it's not baseball, it's not rowing. The NCAA does not rule college football. The conferences do, okay? There are multi, 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 multi multi-million dollar contracts affiliated with the power five conferences. That's why we have this set up there where if you're not power five, you are out of the game. My foot, my friends, you are never going to taste that playoff 
you are going to continue to lag behind financially, uh, resources, everything. Those people do not want to see one of their conference champions get ousted by an independent. Okay, that's not anti-Notre Dame bias or anything else. That's just a pure dollars and cents bias. They don't want to see it. Undefeated Notre Dame, you can't deny it. One loss Notre Dame against a one loss conference champion, you can deny them, and I think they will. There's enough people in that committee uh, that do have enough bias towards at least one thing, and that's their particular conference that they have an affiliation with. And if you notice, this committee, you know, there's no Condoleezza Rice. There's no. It's more brass tacks people uh, affiliated directly with college football. And I I just think in that scenario, even though Michigan lost head-to-head, that was week one, it was on the road, it was a close game. Remember Shea Patterson, turnover, final drive? I I just, I don't see it. I think Michigan gets in despite the head-to-head. That's like the one little storyline where we could have some chaos. I'm sure there's going to be a little debate over number four. If you remember last year, I mean, it still tickles me how we spent so much time, again, refuting the likes of Danny Cannell and then Joel Klatt went off on a major tirade and claiming all kinds of stuff because they clearly wanted to see a two-loss Ohio State team get in over a one-loss Alabama team get in. And I think we get, we get sometimes lost in, the, in all the minutia of data and all the requirements and strength of schedule and this, that, and the other conference strength. Two losses versus one, that is still, that's the trump card. A two-loss team from a Power 5 conference is unlikely to leapfrog a one-loss team from a Power 5 conference. If it's apples to apples. And last year, Alabama, Ohio State, two incredibly prestigious programs with very talented teams, Ohio State lost two games. They got waxed by Iowa by 31 points. It wasn't even controversial in my mind, but people were trying to make it that way. This year, I don't see any type of controversy like that. I think this is going to be pretty straightforward. For those that like drama, uh, tune into The Bachelor, because I don't think you're going to see a whole lot when this thing wraps up in about a month or so. Uh, Yeah, and that's why it's a good year for Notre Dame to be in the mix, because they are polarizing. Look, I I think... College football still is a lot like tradition and, and a lot about tradition. And Notre Dame is, you know, if you're in another country and you think of American football, Notre Dame is a school that you think of. I mean, you know, go out there and win one for the Gipper. Yeah, you remember that? Reagan, of course. Ronald remember, Reagan. You remember they made, um, they made a movie called Rudy? Remember I that remember one? Rudy. Yeah, how, how could you not forget Rudy? Remember Vince Vaughn was in that movie too. So was John Favreau in a serious role, and John About Favreau. Yeah, yeah, a, a much leaner John Favreau. I think John <laughs> Favreau now he's he's going to the big and tall shop, and he's not that tall. God, I loved him in Swingers and Vince Vaughn in Swingers. By the way, um, classic the, movie. The guy, the the best. I, I hate Sean Astin. But the best, the best <laughs> acting role in Rudy, I think there were two great performances that don't get talked about. The first one is, um, is the guy that was the, the, I don't even remember his name, but he was on a show called Rock. And then oh, I know you're he talking was the, about. the equipment manager. He yeah, was, he, yeah, he, yeah, was, yeah. he was freaking phenomenal. I used to watch Rock. Yeah, I liked Rock that show. That was a great show. That guy was great. He was a garbage man. Yeah, yeah I think it was on I mean, Fox. It was tremendous. 
He also played the cop that pulled over Tony Soprano. That's a yeah. really obscure reference, but <laughs> that's what I remember him. And then I thought the dad, you know, the, the kind of, ah, oh, you're, you're wasting your life. And then at the end when he comes up, this is the most beautiful thing these eyes have ever seen. I thought that was awesome. But anyway, I digress. But look, look Notre Dame in, <laughs> in many ways is synonymous with I'm going to go Varsity football. Blues on you and Coach Bud Kilmer at some point, but I can't tie it in discussion. <laughs> When we talk about Texas. It's not my life, Dad. This is not, I don't want your life. I don't want your life, Dad. Good God. Great acting. By the way, I saw John Voight on a flight from L.A. to Vegas. One Love time. John Voight. Sitting right there. I took a picture of him. Kind of, it was kind of blurry because it was kind of, you know, a quick deal. But I, uh, here he was, you know. Great Amer- American Airlines sitting in first class going to Vegas to probably gamble his salary away. But was he overserved? Did he did he have one too many cocktails? I I, I was just so focused on getting the picture because I, <laughs> I I recognized it when I left the tarmac that there was John Voight. So I fumbled and I had an old iPhone at the time. So I was just trying to get the picture. I didn't really notice that, but I'm sure he had a few cocktails. It's only an hour flight. I'd put the over under at three. Okay, that's good. Um, that's fair. So anyway. Uh, I think Notre Dame in a lot of ways is synonymous with American college football. And I think that it's, we talk all the time about college football is better when these teams are good. It is better when Notre Dame is good. I, I, I have gone round and round with their fans during my career. Cause I said something about the Manti Teow at fake girlfriend way and the way their school handled it. And I got accused of being anti-Christian. <laughs> um, and and they, that was the most, honest to God, the most hateful any fan base has ever acted towards me uh, during my career. And, and if you're not pissing somebody off, you're not doing your job, is the University of Notre Dame. You're disrespectful toward the Lord and Our Lady because you thought it was kind of shady that Notre Dame was promoting this story about Manti Teow's fake-ass girlfriend. And I'm like, Okay, you know, but anyway, I digress again. Um, I still lo- have love in my heart for Notre Dame because of uh, it's part of the fabric of the sport that I love. And so I think that it's good for them when they're competing at a national level. And, and, and I've never bought into the fact that the University of Notre Dame you know, oh, the academics are too hard. Or, oh, Notre Dame's never going to win again. They said Notre Dame would never win again. This school stands for faith. It stands for family. It stands for honesty. I believe all that. And and I, I, I just think that it's good that they are back where they are. And and like we said, that it's a, it's a good thing probably that the uh, there's such there's so many issues. In so many of the different conferences, and I'll say this too, Mike, the two losses, I mean, that, that shouldn't have been a debate last year at all uh, because it wasn't it, – it, it was who Alabama lost to, a very hot Auburn team on the road last game of the season, and, and then that loss to Iowa. That, you can't get blown out like that. And I'll tell you that the loss to Purdue is going to come into play if things get crazy, and we're talking about Ohio State again. You just – you know, it's body of work and suffering blowout losses is different. It would have been a totally different story if, if Ohio State's losses were like at Penn State by a point or at home to Michigan State by a field goal. That would have been a different debate. But, um, you know, there's a lot of SEC haters out there. and I think they're all eating their words this year. Well, yeah, they, they had egg all over their face. They spent so much time and energy trying to convince people that a two-loss Ohio State team 
that again got blistered by Iowa. Uh, sh- clearly, they should have been over a one-loss Alabama team, and then Alabama promptly wins the national championship. Maybe they'll be a little more quiet this time out, um, or maybe not. Maybe they'll just feel the need to to go ahead and pontificate that point once more. By the way, I couldn't help but notice you've already done a Ronald Reagan and a Lou Holtz impersonation, and here I am. I bring James Vanderbeek to the table. I, I've got to uh, I've got to up my impression game because if i if i'm stuck doing james vanderbeek and varsity blues i'm not going to win many points on that although i still just like saying i don't want your life I, that never gets old to me um uh, we need to get james vanderbeek some new roles we need to get him back in the fall he did a very funny um commercial making fun of himself not long ago and i can respect that anyway i you know to to just put a cap on this and i i, I realized this would be great like i watched the 30 minute playoff show on ESPN uh, when the poll came out last night, I realized this would be a lot more interesting if we could find an hour worth of material to just spit back and forth on controversy and what's going to happen and blah, blah, blah. I don't think there is much. I mean, there's just, there's not much to go on. There's not many teams. There's not a whole lot of uh, scenarios there's not like that night. I mean, yeah, there's always a nightmare scenario. Theoretically, if if all these teams just start dropping uncharacteristic games, then all of a sudden maybe you open the door up for a a Washington State or maybe I mean Kentucky technically has a they've got a great path to the to the playoff. Right? They beat Georgia on Saturday. They beat Bama in the SEC championship game, and then you got to put them in. Yeah, but going. nobody on but nobody on planet Earth believes that's going to happen. I don't think anybody in Lexington, Kentucky, thinks that's going to happen. So, you know, we could come up with these scenarios, and that way we could say, oh, there's 15 teams still alive. But there's not. There, there's not. It's, it's really it's like a half a dozen. It's like, a, it's like six teams battling for four spots. After this weekend, it might be five teams battling for four spots. Uh, and so if you, if you like high drama, you, you, you have not come to the right place. And, again, this is not me critical of the playoff at all. If you know anything about me, I, 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 I'm, I'm relieved that there's a playoff. And quite honestly, this is going to be an issue even if we do expand the playoff, which I think we will and I think we need to. Give me six or eight. I don't think four is enough. But you're still going to have a situation where we're talking about the same five teams as a true contender for a national championship. It'll be more inclusive. So we can expand the net a little bit and, and have more conversation about other teams and what their route is just to get into the playoff, which is which is fun. I mean, I look forward to that. But we're still going to be talking about the same two or three teams that are true, legitimate, not playoff contenders, national championship contenders. And to, to piggyback on your point five minutes ago, I only see one team that can beat Alabama right now, and that's Clemson. I don't think LSU can. I don't think Notre Dame can. I don't think... Georgia can. I don't think Oklahoma can. I don't think Michigan can. I don't think Ohio State can. I see one team. I, and I, I think I think it's, I think you're right. And I think that even though I believe Alabama is a superior football team to everyone in the country, including the Tigers, Clemson's not going to go into that game scared of them. Okay, and I'm not saying that teams approach it like that when they play Bama. But you look at the teams that have had success against Alabama, even like over the years, not getting blown out on their home field. Um, LSU, that game is normally very close 
in Death Valley. You know why? They're not scared of Alabama. Clemson took them to the wire, beat them, and then last year had some offensive issues. Bama beat them. They're not scared of Alabama. Auburn is not scared of Alabama because they're right there in that state. And, and, they, and, and they've, the teams that have had success against Alabama over the years, and there's been very few of them, have, you know, gone in and approached the games with them uh, with a lack of fear. And, and, and pe- people talk about Kirby Smart, what the difference was between Kirby Smart's Georgia and Mark Rick's Georgia. Every time Georgia played Bama under Mark Rick, not, except with the exception of the 2012 SEC championship game, and I'm talking after Bama got it going and Saban got there and all that, um, they'd come in just intimidating, or, or, or they'd come in overconfident and fall behind 30 to nothing. Um, and then you saw last year, was Georgia afraid of Alabama in that football game? No, they weren't. Um, and it was close. So, so I, I think that's a key when you're looking way down the road and talking about Clemson and Bama. I mean, imagine Washington State playing them in a semifinal game. That's a contrast in styles, and Mike Leach isn't going to have his team intimidated and all that. But those kids at Washington State, you know, wow, we're playing Alabama. Wow. You know, ah. Um, and the Clemson kids aren't going to do that. Um, and, and so I, I think you're right. Look, I mean, I, I think I think it's a Bama-Clemson where we're all living in, into it. Now, as far as the expansion goes, real quick on this, I'm for giving it six to eight. I'm for not, not giving a token invite to the best group of five team. I think they need their own playoff. I would expand it to make automatic Power Five conference champions automatically go, have one to three wild cards, and then the group of five needs their own playoff or their own division. That's the bottom line. I don't want to sit there and there's no NCAA March Madness basketball tournament element to watch an Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, whoever's great, the number one seed beat up on a UCF in a token uh, ho-hum type of game. And, 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 look, I know UCF beat Auburn last year. You think Auburn would have lost that game um, had it been in a national semifinal? No, it was a clearly unmotivated Auburn team. Yeah, so come on. I mean, I, 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 I look, I'm all for those schools in that – on that level, I have great respect for coaches in that, on that level of Division One. I. I have great respect for the whole thing. But I think they need their own playoff. You know, number one for schools like UCF, uh, who are at the top. And number two for schools like um, in the Sun Belt that have recently decided that, oh, we're, we're not going to go win national championships anymore. We're going to play for the Camellia Bowl every year like App State. Um, and to give those kids a shot at a championship. I mean, we do it in high school football all the time. There's 4A, there's Division II, 4A, there's 3A, 5A, 7A, whatever. And they have six or seven state championships because of the size of your school and enrollment. There, there's different things that matter in the sport of football that allow you to be competitive or not. The NFL's very competitive and, and has so much parity because they set it up that way. You can't set it up that way in college football or in high school football. High school football is based on where you're at. College football, in a large, to a large extent, is based on where you're at, but also you have to go out and convince players to come. It's not like you have a draft. Can't, the Kansas Jayhawks did not get the first pick in the FBS draft the last three or four years. I mean, and so there's some schools that just aren't going to get there, and those are all in the group of five. 
I, I will say this before the uh, the UCF Nation uh, sets forth its wrath on me the way it has many ESPN personalities for saying what I just said. I think if the Big 12 wants to do something a little bit outside the box, be a little proactive here, I would add two schools now, and one of them would be UCF. Tell me what harm, what bad comes out of adding UCF to that program. You get the Orlando market. You get a program that is competitive in football, basketball, and baseball. They've made a couple of tournaments in in basketball. Johnny Dawkins is their coach. Baseball's been good for years. They'll certainly only get better in all three sports when they get the kind of money that comes with being in a Power Five conference. Uh, UCF now is, whether you think it's humorous that they claim the national championship or you find them annoying that they have the way they've acted based on what happened last year, they are on the map. They are relevant. You, You wouldn't have said that five years ago. The Big 12 a few years ago, if you remember, did, pulled off a charade, right? They had like an American Idol type of situation <laughs> where, they, where, they, where they sat there with a panel of judges and said, bring us Cincinnati, bring us Memphis, bring us UCF. Come over there with your briefcases and your 10-page dissertation on why you would uh, be a great addition for our conference. Do a song and dance. Juggle fire. Uh, ride a unicycle, do whatever you have to do to impress us, and then we'll maybe pick two. And then after all these schools go through all this trouble, they say, eh, we're just kidding. You can go back home. We're not taking anybody. I think that was a mistake. I, I really think if you were to take, let's just say, UCF and either Memphis or Cincinnati, that's not bringing the Big 12 down. Look, every let's even if you assume that those programs are going to be overwhelmed in football, and by the way, it, you'd be naive to assume that because if you don't think UCF can compete with the bottom third of the Big Twelve, then you haven't been following the bottom third of the Big Twelve on most years. They absolutely could. They absolutely could. You know, basketball would be another story. It's a pretty damn good basketball league. I don't think UCF is is at that point. But so what? This would be a football move, let's be honest. And a UCF could compete. A Memphis could compete. A Cincinnati in some years could compete. When I say compete, I don't mean for Big 12 championships. But they'd be in there. Look, when the SEC added Missouri, did they think that Missouri was going to be winning a bunch of SEC championships and competing with the likes of Alabama and LSU and Georgia? I realize they made it to Atlanta twice. That was somewhat flukish with all due respect. No, but it still was a good addition. It expanded the TV footprint. Uh, it gave the SEC another school. It went up to 14. Texas A&M, again, how many SEC titles is it? Texas A&M won? Zero. How many will they win in the next, year, next 10 years? Likely zero. It's still a good addition. And so I, I just think if you're the Big 12, add two teams – Get have a legitimate conference championship game with divisions, and then at some point, if you want to keep up with the Joneses, I would think the Big 12 would start their own network, Big 12 TV network, or let either ESPN or Fox run it. Uh, they're all they're all cash cows. The, at least the Big Ten, the SEC is, the ACC will be. The Pac-12 is a whole other story because they decided to do it in house, and uh, that's a different animal. But 
I, I just think it's time for the Big 12 to finally be, be 12 teams as opposed to 10. Add two of those. And, yeah, I'll say it. I think UCF would be a good addition to that conference. How, how crazy am I on all these points? Oh, you're not because the league added West Virginia, which I think is an outpost. I, I, you know what? I, I'd like to see the NCAA or some governing body get involved, and I know it's never going to happen, and say, look, college sports. Look, I, so, so we talk about the ACC being Clemson and everybody else, okay? And I remember the way the ACC used to be. Nobody would ever, you know, mistaken it for the SEC. But I think we used to have things that made sense in that league. Even after they expanded to Boston College, which Boston College was sort of an outpost, but you added Virginia Tech, and they didn't want to do that. They wanted Syracuse right off the bat. Now you got Pitt, Syracuse. I mean, the the league stretches from Coral Gables, Florida, to Lake Ontario. (laughs) I mean, and and I think that's, you know, if they want to compete with the SEC – and the passion and stuff. I mean, it's eroded it. I, I, you know, West West Virginia belongs in the Atlantic Coast Conference. It'll never ever happen because uh, allegedly their academics aren't that good. Allegedly, which I think is a bunch of bunk and nothing to base anything on. So they're kind of an outpost. So if you got an outpost already, what what's what's another outpost with UCF? And plus, you know, TV market wise, it gets you into a a, a large market. And, and UCF, you know. They're a relatively new football program. I think the 90s is when, when they started playing. They've Correct. Had, they've had Dante Culpepper. Mm-hmm. They've had a lot of other NFL guys. Uh, you had the George O'Leary team that went and smoked Baylor in the Fiesta Bowl. I think it was 2013. Uh, two years later, George O'Leary didn't win a game and was out. And then two years later, they go undefeated and, and beat Auburn. In the, so, so they are relevant. I mean, and, and I hate it that they're not in a good conference. But the bigger conferences don't seem to – they don't use a lot of common sense. There's no – with the exception of the Big 12 adding TCU back, there's been no like, well, this school is kind of an upstart. Let's add them. It just doesn't happen. You know, it's like they turn – it's like a haves and haves nots kind of thing, which is why I think that the group of five needs their own division or – or, or whatever. I mean, you know, like that's happening. Like the Big Twelve. If I were them, I wouldn't have held my nose with Houston or or, or Rice or any of the old South. Because you know what? That's Houston. It's Rice. It's 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 whoever. Now, Houston but, should be in that conference. Yeah, well, the, uh, it, but the Texas schools will never allow it. It's it's an old school deal too. Southwest Conference. You know, um, I, I think that. If you're the Southeastern Conference and you can't convince NC State to leave the ACC or Virginia Tech is not legally allowed to leave the ACC, I think East Carolina would be a good fit. And, and I'll tell you why. They get 50000 a game at East Carolina for football. It gives you a competitive foothold in a large state like North Carolina with TV markets like Raleigh-Durham and Charlotte – because there's ECU graduates all over that state. It doesn't matter where. I know it's located sort of on the the coastal plain of the Tar Heel State. But, I mean, it, who cares? I mean, you've got schools located in Oxford, Mississippi, and Auburn, Alabama, and Starkville, Mississippi, that bring massive TV followings. Um, I'm doing that. And, and I'm going and adding Kansas from the Big 12 to expand my footprint west. Um, 
if that ever happens. I mean, you know, another option for the Big 12, and we've talked too long about this, is is to add, <laughs> you know, the Pac-12 is having issues or whatever. A school like Arizona, good academic school, large state-supported school like Texas, would kind of give Texas a little cousin, I guess, culturally. I don't want to say culturally because Arizona's more of a basketball school. I mean, Kansas a cousin if Kansas doesn't go someplace else. Kansas a cousin basketball-wise. Texas a, a cousin sort of culturally in terms of, you know, kind of the, I don't know, the, the makeup of those two schools academically, student body-wise, that kind of thing. Um, you could go west, but um, – I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is to all this. We could talk. We'll have a big episode all summer about expansion, but I, yeah. I, I do agree, you know, some things need to happen. Well, I mean, and again, what made me think of this, if you're wondering why we're even talking, I just, and the UCF factor, um, which again, I'll maintain is a complete non factor because all the, the data and everything supports the fact they're not getting in a playoff. And no group five team is, is going to get into a playoff. And I, I agree. I think. The solution to that is pretty simple. As I've said now for about a year, the Group 5 is the new 1AA. Uh, give them their own playoff. A TV network like ESPN will gladly pick it up. There'll be extra money coming in. And you can compete just the way, with the same passion and pageantry that the FCS schools do now with their own playoff. Instead of playing this uh, self-defeating prophecy that, well, maybe one day in the perfect scenario – like a Houston a couple of years ago, like a UCF last year, maybe somehow we can sneak it. It's not happening. It's not happening. And I agree, if they do expand to six or eight, I'd be shocked if they include an automatic bid for the Group 5. I, th- those slots are very, very lucrative. And I don't see the people, the true people that run college football – the Power Five Conference Commissioners, I don't see them giving it up just to be inclusive, diverse, uh, looking out for the little guy. College football's not run that way, folks. <laughs> it, it's just not. So I, I, I don't see that happening. Uh, but it made me think that – it made me think of that whole charade that happened a couple of years ago where the Big 12 had basically live auditions for expansion and then didn't do anything. Uh, I would go ahead and do it. I, I really think UCF now has never had a higher profile. If you, if, if you refuse to add Houston, which clearly makes sense, then then take a Memphis, take a Cincinnati, and and go on with it. I, I, I think that would that would be nothing bad about that at all. It would be good. It would it would give more ammunition for a TV network because you'd have two more significant markets, and you go from there. Just, uh, you know, hey, Bob Bowlesby is a much smarter man than I am, but just from the outside looking in, that'd be something to consider. All right, as we're getting uh, not near the home stretch, but pretty close to it, just real quick recap of last week's games. Uh, Georgia-Florida, in my take real quick, thought Georgia would win, thought Georgia was the better team, thought Jake Fromm would have a bounce-back game, and he did. I think we can... um, I did think we'd see Justin Fields, but I thought it was a make-or-break game in a lot of ways for Jake Fromm, and he showed out. And the offense, uh, the the play calling, I thought allowed him to do that a little bit more, opened it up a little bit more. I mean, he only threw 24 passes, but still, it was more aggressive. They got Isaac Nauta, who everybody is convinced is an NFL tight end, even though he's allergic to blocking. They, They got him involved in the offense, 
and, and Georgia. It was a very competitive game. Don't let the final score fool you. At the end of the day, Felipe Franks did what Felipe Franks does. Uh, turnovers, mistakes. It just He's a college kid, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to really edit my my harsh commentary. But I, I just I don't see a future with Felipe Franks as a starting SEC quarterback, not in Dan Mullen's offense, not in Newt Rockney's offense, <laughs> uh, not in Lavelle Edwards, BYU's offense from 30 years ago. I mean, that's, I don't see it. I just there's just too many mistakes that he is going to make. Uh, there, there's something there where he just looks frazzled. I realize he's only a sophomore, but uh, if if you're going to make that next level, if you're Florida and you're Dan Mullen, I, I know he looks the part. He's 6'6". He comes off the bus and he can throw it 70 yards. A very opening play. beautiful, Beautifully designed play call by Dan Mullen on a flea flicker. Georgia bites. I mean bites hard. Wide receiver on a simple deep post is wide open, overthrows him. Then he underthrows somebody and gets picked off. Then he fumbles the ball inside his own five-yard line. If you've seen Felipe Franks in big games, there's too much of that and uh, not enough of the other. So Georgia wins wins the game. And then I, I'll get your thoughts on both these, JC. Clemson, Florida State. Clemson rolls 59-10. Um, Trevor Lawrence, if there was any – if you needed any more justification why Dabo made the move that he did, um, watch the kid play and you just see – he is a generational talent at quarterback. He's going to be the number one pick of the draft in all likelihood. So uh, Kelly Bryant, no offense, is going gonna, is gonna to do well at his next stop. But he's not Trevor Lawrence. And he saw what Nick Saban saw a little bit earlier. And that is if I'm going to have a chance at a natty, I got to get the guy that gives me the best chance. That's Trevor Lawrence. On the Florida State side, not to pile on, but they're the most undisciplined team in Division I college football. And for that to be the case in the eighth game of the season under Willie Taggart, at what point? It's not like some schools just don't have a, a decent enough quarterback to win. Florida State has a quality quarterback. I realize the O-line is leaky. I realize uh, there's some weaknesses at other spots. But you got athletes, and you're not even competing. You are not even competing, and you have a penalty on every other play. You look like a team that hasn't had a practice in three months. That's inexcusable. That's going to be... It's going to be a real long offseason in Tallahassee, and Willie Taggart is going to have to change up a few things. By change up, I don't mean just fire coaches. I mean probably change the way he does things, the way he operates, because it, it looks like a rudderless ship in Tallahassee. Your thoughts? You got Jacquez Patrick and Cam Akers in the backfield, right? And and I, I know, look, Jimbo Fisher, and I, I questioned for a long time if Rick Trickett was a good fit at Florida State as the offensive line coach. Uh, I think he's a good offensive line coach. I always have thought he's done a great job. I just didn't know that they could recruit the type of guys he wanted. or And really, they hadn't been good on the offensive line for a long time. So I know that the situation they inherited on the offensive line isn't great. But you got Jacquez Patrick and Cam Akers in the backfield, okay? They combined for 24 carries on or 24 yards on 18 carries. I guess they good Clemson rush defense. Don't get me wrong, but you need to find a way to get the ball in those guys' hands and run the football. All right, that's the bottom line. Uh, Clemson throws for 404 yards. Lawrence four touchdowns, no picks. Uh, Amari Rogers, T. Martin's son, six catches, 156. I mean, they just 
totally outclassed them. Um, and I, got, like I said going in, I thought Clemson was going to try to hang half a hundred on them because that's not a place Dabo has been tremendously successful. Florida State looked dead and like a dumpster fire. Clemson went in there, fired up and played, and they're hitting on all cylinders. And they're going to probably beat the stuffing out of Louisville this weekend too, a bad Louisville team. Uh, this should have been a tough stretch for Clemson. NC State at Florida State, Louisville at home. Boston College on the road. It's not. <laughs> um, as far as Georgia goes, I, I, and we, we, we've talked about this kind of you and I off the rec- off the air, I would be a little concerned about their run defense. Florida was able to eke out 170 yards. Jordan Scarlett, eight yards a carry. Um, a lot of teams have been able to run the ball against Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, and playing Kentucky, I, I think that has to be a concern because what Kentucky's going to want to do is just line up and pound them. Which is the only way Kentucky can win that? Yeah, game. I mean, yeah, yeah, death by a thousand paper cuts. But it's uh, it's going to be interesting this weekend because Kentucky does have good length in the secondary. They have a really good secondary. They're really good at a defense. Period. Um, and it's going to be a, an enormous ball game uh, in uh, at Kroger Field uh, up in Lexington. I it's such a great story. I I really I, I find myself pulling for Kentucky this year because I, I think that's a fan base that, believe it or not, has supported college football. Yeah, it, it's, it's always going to be a basketball for a school, but they have supported college football. They have put money into facilities. They have, they have paid coaches high dollars. Uh, and the fans, they tailgate just like SEC fans do other places. They show up just like SEC fans do other places. And they've had a hell of a lot less to cheer about. So for those kind of programs, uh, it, it, there, there's a, a spot in my heart to say, good for them. Good for them. Um, I watched the end of that Missouri game. How, how Missouri blew that is unreal, but they did. And Kentucky wins on an untimed down on a true walk-off touchdown pass by Terry Wilson, who you know is a less-than-great quarterback, but they're, they're able to win games in spite of that. Benny Snell is going to have to go off against Georgia if they're going to win that game at home. I'm convinced. Um, I think it's going to be a tall order for Kentucky. But look, people have been counting out Kentucky all year long, and here they are. They're seven and one, and they're five and one in the SEC. So they probably like it that way. Some people are calling it the biggest game in the history of Kentucky football. Who am I to argue? I, <laughs> you know, it's the biggest home game since '07 when they played LSU. And LSU won the national championship that year. It was the, one of the Andre Woodson, Rich Brooks teams. Mm-hmm. And Kentucky actually beat them in overtime. Uh, I think 45-37. LSU lost two games that year, won the national championship. Go figure, Les Miles. Both were in overtime. One was to Kentucky and one was to Arkansas, of all teams. Crazy, crazy stuff. And uh, I know you were in Columbia. South Carolina pulls off a hell of a win against Tennessee. That game came down to the wire and – the, the feel for the Gamecock season would have been dramatically different if they lose that game. They wind up winning it. They've got Ole Miss this week. And so, uh, at least for now, some, uh, some positive vibes in Columbia. And for Tennessee, look, they're playing with – I don't want to say they're playing with house money. That implies things are good. Things are not good. But all along, the goal to me has been win six, eke into a Tier 4 bowl game, and build on that. And I'll be in Knoxville this weekend. That's they're they're going to try and get one step closer to getting to that six, and then go from there in recruiting. 
Absolutely, and, and I'll say this. I mean, you know, you look at uh, – you know, first of all, it was a big win for South Carolina. I think I think this weekend is big as well uh, for the Gamecocks. But I've watched Tennessee play a lot of ball this year from the West Virginia game on, uh, and they have gotten a lot better. You know, throw the Alabama game out the window, which is exactly what they did because they came into Columbia fired up, hoping to get a win. They are kind of playing. Garantano settled down. They have a good short passing game. You know, South Carolina came into that game saying, all right, Jawan Jennings uh, and Callaway and those guys, they're not going to beat us deep like they did against Auburn. And it was a death by a thousand paper cuts. Tyson Helton called a great game. Tennessee used extreme screen game and had 40 minutes time of possession. So, you know, they're getting better. Um, it's a shame because they have a lot of guys that had big recruiting reps coming out of high school. That that have ne- they're just all semi bust or average guys. But if you look at their defense, they start five, six, seven, four, five star players, <laughs> and they're not very good. Now the secondary is a different story because they're very very young there. But you got Charlotte, you got Kentucky coming to Knoxville, and they've owned Kentucky over the years. The week after Kentucky plays a huge game against Georgia, you got Missouri coming to Knoxville, and then you got a game at Vandy. Vandy's won four of six. Um, you know, Tennessee to get to that six, and I think they'll beat Charlotte this weekend. It may not – Charlotte's decent, so it may not be a huge score. But, you know, they get – they'll be at four wins with home games against Kentucky and Missouri. And I don't care that Kentucky's great and ranked and whatever. Again, Tennessee's owned that series. They're not going to be scared of Kentucky coming to town. In fact, they'll probably be more fired up about the opportunity to knock off a top-20 team. Uh, and then Vanderbilt. So, Tennessee could end up with six or seven. And I think in some of these smaller bowls, you know, you start thinking about it, and we'll talk about bowl selection later. A six and six or seven and five Tennessee in a first year of a head coach where they weren't supposed to be that good and they were getting blown out at the beginning of the season uh, is going to be a much more attractive option to, say, the Liberty Bowl or the Music City Bowl uh, or somebody like that that may be like an Auburn or a South Carolina that may not end up with the greatest season that, that, like, uh, relative to expectations. Yeah, yeah. And to your point, they do got – I mean, just breaking them down on film, they got some talent at the skill positions. That's not the issue. And when they had a healthy Trey Smith, who's a former number one recruit in the country, left tackle, uh, they were at least halfway decent on the line. They could at least run a bunch of plays to the left side. Without him, I'm, I'm working with Barrett Jones this weekend, former All-American in Alabama, played on multiple national championship teams for Nick Saban. He knows a thing or two about O-line play. I said, what do you think about Tennessee's line? He said, Mike, I'm not exaggerating when I say it's one of the worst, most dysfunctional O-lines I've ever seen in the SEC. Hmm. And without, without Trey Smith, like it's just it's bad. So they're trying to win games in spite of that, and they almost won one in Columbia, almost pulled a rabbit out of the hat. But uh, – but fell just short of the mark. All right, so looking ahead to this week, we, we already talked about Kentucky, Georgia. Uh, everybody wants to know, what are the chances for LSU against Alabama? Do you, do you give LSU a legitimate shot? Yes, and I'll tell you why. Number one, it's one of the toughest places in America to play. Number two, they're not going to be scared of Alabama because, you know, a couple of years ago, Bama comes down, LSU is an interim coach. 
Bama squeaks by 10 to nothing. <laughs> you know, it, it's sometimes that. And LSU had no offense or no quarterback. It's sometimes that kind of game. The thing about, you know, getting beyond all that, the trends and the mystique and all the stuff I love to talk about sometimes. Let me just say this. LSU is the best secondary Bama has faced. Let me say that again. LSU is the best secondary Bama has faced. And let me just add this. By a mile. They've got ball players back there. Now, does that mean Bama doesn't have receivers that are better? No. Does that mean that Tua is going to automatically struggle, that Tua's success is some sort of mythical uh, result of a lack of competition? No, Danny Cannell, I wouldn't say that. But LSU secondary is really, really good. And look, it's going to be that way for, for Bama moving forward. I think Mississippi State... I think uh, if they play Georgia and Atlanta, I think Auburn, I think all those teams secondary-wise are better than the teams Bama's faced so far. But, um, you know, that to me gives them a shot because, you know, if Alabama has to rely on running the ball, then I think LSU line of scrimmage-wise can at least match up. Um, It's down there. You know, at the same time, you know, I – Tua has responded to pressure in every single game, every single time he's faced it, including last year in the championship. So, uh, who's to say he's not going to do the same down in Baton Rouge? But I do think Louisiana State, I do think LSU does have a shot to knock off Alabama Saturday night in Baton Rouge. I think athletically they have a shot. I think it's a small one. Um, I like your point on the secondary, and you're absolutely right. Tua's going to actually have to break a sweat in this one uh, and probably will have to play in the fourth quarter of this game, (laughs) unlike what he's done all year long. And maybe he throws his first interception of the year just to prove to everybody he's not a robot or an alien. (laughs) However... You're not going to convince me that Alabama can't get to 30 points against any defense, including LSU's, and I can't see LSU getting the 30 points with that passing game. Just can't see it. So for for me, that's what it comes down to. Alabama has to have a really, really off game, and part of that equation would have to be turnovers, and they simply don't turn the ball over. So based on that, I just can't. This is not going to be a 9-6 kind of game. You know, that's what LSU fans are hoping for, and deep down they know that's the only kind of game they can win. Uh, you know, 17-14, maybe an offensive explosion for the Bayou Bengals and win it 20-19. I don't see Alabama being held in check like that. I just don't. And that's regardless of anybody who might be missing a half of football due to a suspension. Uh, even if he was there for all four quarters and played every single play of the game, Bama's going to score points against anybody you put in front of them. So uh, I hope it's a good game. I'm rooting for a good game. LSU, show up, man. Make this thing interesting. College football fans need a little intrigue this year. It's been a pretty ho-hum season with oh. one team, you know, <laughs> one team that's clearly ahead of everybody else. So you're going to have a lot of people tuning into that game that are like, come on, LSU, entertain entertain us please give us something but i'm not expecting it um at least i'm not expecting a nail biter yeah. competitive game maybe but not a nail biter here we are now entertain us yes exactly go into the pit a la russell crowe in the gladiator and entertain us uh some other games west virginia texas big one you know we haven't talked about west virginia much but they actually 
they're, they're still very much in the Big 12 race, but obviously they have to win that game against Texas. If you're a Big 12 fan, I, I think you're the biggest Oklahoma fan because that gives you the best chance of getting in the playoff. Otherwise, you could be shut out of the playoff, which would not be good. And then in the Big Ten, a very intriguing game, Penn State and Michigan. Those are the other ones that stick out to me, JC. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me to see uh, Penn State. Because, like, Penn State's, Penn, Penn, State, Penn State's been living dangerously. Let's eat by Indiana. Let's lose at home to Michigan State. Let's beat Iowa by six points. Um, Michigan's got to show up, though. This, I still think this Penn State football team that's been in a rut will get up for this game uh, and play well. And, yeah, West Virginia and Texas is a big one. You know, West Virginia has the loss to Iowa State, which Iowa State also upset Oklahoma last year, and Oklahoma got in the playoff. Um, if West Virginia wins, all right, so they got Texas, they got a TCU team that really I was disappointed. It very un-Gary Patterson-like fashion lost to Kansas last week, so they're not that good. But you got at Texas, you got TCU, you got – at Oklahoma State, and then Thanksgiving weekend, baby, in Morgantown. Oh, Bobby Huggins. That's wrong sport, Dick. <laughs> Oklahoma comes to Morgantown to play. Uh, so if you went out, then you're probably going to have to play Oklahoma again the next week, maybe. <laughs> but uh, I, th- I think they could get in the playoff, because depending on what happens above them. Um, and a lot also depends on uh, – you know, maybe what happens with Tennessee? Tennessee gets back and gets to a bowl. Maybe upsets Kentucky. You still like you got that opening day, you know, blowout win over the Vols. You can point to. Gosh, the committee loves NC State, so it's a shame that West Virginia <laughs> had the NC State game canceled. But um, you know, I, I think I think that the tougher games, three out of these next four, you win in Austin, you win in Stillwater. You beat the Sooners in Morgantown, and you're sitting there at ten and one, going to the Big Twelve. I mean, and you win it. I don't, I don't know how you keep that team out, provided there's some upward mobility that takes place. Because at that point, Mike, you know, I'm taking a loss on the road to to Iowa State. If you're West Virginia, over a blowout loss at Purdue. Let's just say hypothetically, we're talking right, Ohio right. State. Now, you know, you get into well. West Virginia didn't really beat a team like Michigan. Well, what if they beat Oklahoma twice or Texas twice? I mean, you know, it's just one of those things that I, I think that. No, I agree with you, but, you know. but your but your scenario assumes all those things, and I I just can't get there. <laughs> I, I just can't get there with can't West Virginia. There. I can't get there. I, I look. I love Will Greer. He's fun to watch. Great story. Uh, I like Dana Holgerson. Loving the you know, uh, business up top, party in the back, haircut. Uh, there's a lot of th- – I love Morgantown, not just because it happens to match my last name. A lot of things I love about West Virginia, but I can't get there where they, they wind up going 12-1. and one. I, I just – I don't see it, not with that schedule. Dana Hogerson has some lyrics for me to pass along to you. I don't care how you get there. Just please get there somehow. There we go. Hey. Dana, I, I'll sing background vocals on that. If you manage to go 12-1, I'll go ahead and go on tour with you, baby. I'd be more than happy to do that. Uh, we're, 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 get, we're over time here again. Yeah. and we haven't even, We'll get into the DJ Durkin thing next week. That's so heavy that I don't even want to. Very topical, yeah. Yeah, and I just don't want to rush through it. And every national talking head 
uh, has taken a stance on that. Almost everybody's taking the same identical stance on that. And I've got some rather strong opinions on it, but I, I just don't want to do it now. I do want to tell you, and I'm going to keep this simple on bpskinnerclothiers.com. Just got uh, two jackets in because, again, you don't have to go to him. He comes to you, comes to your house, measures you, gives you all sorts of options on your custom-made shirts and suits and sports jackets, and then poof, voila, it's mailed to you at your door. No pushy salesman, no having to spend a lot of time at a, at a department store. It's so simple, and it's unbelievable clothing, not just for guys like me. I'll be sporting the new the new outfit on Saturday on the SEC Network, but uh, a number of other TV personalities using that stuff, people in just regular business, people in all walks of life. There's one thing we all have in common no matter what we do or who we are. We all want to look our very best. Brent Skinner makes that happen, and he will make it happen for you. That, that's it. That's all I need to tell you. It's that simple. So go ahead, check out the website, BP Skinner, S-K-I-N-N-E-R, clothiers.com. Set up an appointment. Brent will come to your house or office. And he'll take care of the rest. That's all you need to know. Uh, I want to tell everybody, if you're an Ole Miss or South Carolina fan, uh, come on out to Dive Bar in Buckhead. Even if you're a college football fan, it should be fun because you get to hang out with me Saturday. Starting noon for the Gamecocks and the Ole Miss Rebels. I know that there are a lot of Ole Miss people that listen to this show and a lot of Gamecocks that listen to the show. And if you're in Atlanta, come on out to Dive Bar in Buckhead. Drink specials, uh, pictures of draft uh, something called Spurs Up Sweet Tea. My buddy Zach, he hooks it up for each and every South Carolina game. Uh, so come on out to Dive Bar in Buckhead, starting opening around 1130 uh, to watch a little college football with yours truly. Some special guest celebrities show up from time to time. So it's always a great time, and I want to appreciate – I want to appreciate – I want to thank every one of you that's come out there so far. These things have been successful this year. So that's my pitch and a damn good pitch it was. And I want to say thank you to everybody tuning in each and every week as this podcast continues to grow. And that uh, is made possible by you folks taking an hour or so out of your uh, your week to listen and tune in. And uh, thankfully, the response has been very good. So we're going to keep doing it because of that. Uh, but for right now, we're going to say goodbye because we got other things to do, quite frankly. For <laughs> J.C. Sherbert, Mike Morgan saying so long until next time on another J.C. and Morgan podcast. So long. Something extraordinary has happened to Judy Sizemore's closet, making it feel more like a closet. 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 An area that once caused claustrophobia now has enough space Space. Space. to hold all of Judy's striped boat neck sweaters. And Judy Sizemore has a lot of striped Striped. boat neck sweaters. Sweaters. The Container Store Custom Closet Sale is here with up to 25% off all systems, including Alpha, through October 13th. The Container Store, where space comes from. Something extraordinary has happened to Judy Sizemore's closet, making it feel more like a closet. 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 An area that once caused claustrophobia now has enough space Space. Space. to hold all of Judy's striped boat neck sweaters. And Judy Sizemore has a lot of striped boat neck sweaters. The Container Store Custom Closet Sale is here with up to 25% off all systems, including Alpha, through October 13th. The Container Store, where space comes from.